When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. What do the most successful growing businesses have in common? They're working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper-tarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in. Whether you are on the interstate, whether you are on the way to work or the gym, it matters not. This is Car Stuff. I am Ben. And I'm Scott. And today we are returning with an episode about a very, very interesting car uh, and hopefully uh, an apology that you, Mr. Benjamin, will accept. Uh, we'll see. What's, uh, what's the apology? All right, I'm just going to lay it all on the table here for you and our super producer, Noel. Will you play a, um, a, an applause soundtrack for yourself? Okay, that was good. <laughs> all right, so here is the apology that I must offer not only to you two uh, gentlemen, but also to all of our listeners out there. You guys, we have recorded this episode before. It's a podcast so nice, we had to do it twice, but due to a technical error on my end, we're recording it one more time. Oh, Ben, it's very big of you to admit, but you didn't have to do that. I just thought... <laughs> I, I see it as practice. We did this one, we, we've already recorded this one. It was like practice, and now we're doing. Now here's the real deal. Here's a run through. Here's the yeah. real deal. And you'll see, you know, folks, that this is absolutely perfect this time through. We won't uh, we won't mess up anything. I'm sure. Yeah, one take wonders, uh, super accurate facts, never before uh, heard twist to the story. But let's get right into it, Scott. We have covered some very strange cars in our six plus years doing this show. I forgive you, by the way. And yes, <laughs> and. and and yes, and yes, we have covered some very strange cars, and this is uh, this is right along the lines of one of the strangest. Yes, yes, this is uh, a real life transformer, but not as cool as maybe the Michael Bay transformers. Well, maybe I don't know. Maybe it's cooler. Maybe it's cooler because uh, it's real. This is pretty. This is real, and uh, it's it goes way way back. This goes back to 1991, and it was built by some Mazda engineers as part of a design contest. Mm-hmm. And what it is, is it's basically a go-kart, mm-hmm. but it fits inside a suitcase. And it looks like a suitcase when it's all completely folded up. It's a, it's like a, like you said, like a transformer. Yeah, imagine this. 
uh, if you will, you live in a city and you don't have the time, the money, or the space for a car, but you do have the time, the money, and space for a suitcase that you can take with you on a plane, take with you on a train, take with you on a bus, and when you get off that plane, train, or bus, all you have to do is pop open your suitcase, make a couple of adjustments or assemblies, right, Mm -hmm. and then... Vroom, you're off. Yeah, and we'll describe what has to happen in order for that to, to occur. I mean, it's really, really simple, but um, it's such a neat idea. I mean, it goes, like I said, way back to 1991, yeah. and there have been a lot of copycats of this thing since since then, and mm-hmm. a lot of other folding vehicles. I, mean, I, I would like to, you know, at the end of this podcast, I would like to talk about a couple of, of other folding vehicles that uh, that have had some, uh, some headlines recently. Yeah, let's make it the back half of the podcast other folding vehicles well sure ben that sounds good i mean i'd like to uh maybe just jump right into the uh the suitcase car yeah yeah so uh mazda's idea competition that they held was called the fantasy ad Mm -hmm. and that is what mazda engineers built this suitcase for and i guess what we should talk about first would be what comes in the box right scott yeah i guess it's a you know it's a hard case it's like a samsonite suitcase right? yeah it's like a shell case yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a very um rigid suitcase model that they use and like one of the older style ones you know you'd see back in 1991 i guess mm-hmm. i think they still sell hard shell cases but, oh yeah but more often now you see the big soft-sided ones and that's not the kind we're talking about i mean if i see someone with a hard shell suitcase i just assume they're gonna have uh, a handcuff to, oh yeah, yeah. To yeah, the right. uh, to the handle. Have you ever seen somebody in real life with one of those with a handcuff on their suitcase? Uh huh. No, no. How about I, you? Yeah, when I was a kid, once. Really? Yeah, I was certain that he was some sort of supervillain making a delivery to your house. No, it was at Hartsville Airport. Oh, okay, good, good, <laughs> good, good. Okay, so back to the car. What's packed inside of this thing mm-hmm. is that all the pieces for a go kart. I mean, but but. You know, way scaled down. Super sparse. Uh, we should go ahead and say that, interestingly enough, this is a three-wheeled vehicle, and the three wheels are contained inside the body of the suitcase. Yeah, everything folds up so it appears as if it's just a standard, ordinary suitcase until you unfold it, and then all the stuff is inside. Now, the framework and all that is already in place. I mean, the seat's already in position. Right. The axles are in place. Mm-hmm. Uh, the engine is permanently mounted as well. Mm-hmm. Um, very small engine. We'll talk about that in just a minute. But uh, what you do have to do is you have to take the wheels out. You have to put those on the axles, mm-hmm. which it just takes a matter of seconds, right? Right. And uh, you have to kind of fold the uh, steering column up. Yeah, which... you, you pop it up, and uh, this means that it's attached to that first wheel, that, that third wheel in the front. Yeah, right? it's already in place, and you just pivot it on its uh, on its axis up. Mm-hmm. And it does, it does um, require you to remove a cutout in the front of the suitcase, where that third wheel protrudes through so that, uh, you know, the front wheel is the, the third wheel, I guess, right in the center. And that's attached to the end of the handlebars, which you, I think, have to assemble. I think you have to uh, clip something in, maybe. Right, yeah. There's a uh, And there's a stationary engine that uh, we mentioned earlier that's directly to the right of the driver, or let's be honest, to the right of the driver's butt, because we're talking about a tight space here. Sure, yeah. yeah. Uh, and let's talk a little bit about the engine. It is a 1.7 horsepower, 40 cc two-stroke, uh, and it can hit about 27 miles per hour. Yeah, not bad. Not bad at all. So this is an air-cooled engine, pull start, I think you mentioned, right? Uh, yeah, it's pull start. Yeah, two-stroke, so that means you know you got to mix the oil and gas, which really isn't all that big of a deal. Right. Um, but it holds about one gallon of fuel maximum, I think. That's about uh, about 
good for about two hours of driving range, I think is what they said. Yeah, that's true. Um, has a silenced exhaust, which is kind of nice. So I guess mm-hmm. you could, uh, cruise without having to be super, super loud, you know, like a lawnmower would be or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it has disc brakes, or I should say a disc brake, uh, one disc brake. <laughs> right. I think it's just one. Uh. Um, it, it's pretty interesting. It has, um, it has headlights. Mm-hmm. It has turn signals. And brake lights too. Brake lights. Yeah, that's right. It's um, got everything you would need. It really does. I mean, it's not street legal. So oh, yeah, we should say, so there's no license plate or anything. Yeah, so, you know, <laughs> when we say that, you know, the idea is that you get to the airport and, you know, you unfold your suitcase and take off without having to wait for a taxi or whatever, mm-hmm. um, that's sort of true. You could do that, I guess, but you wouldn't be able to drive it on any kind of city roads or anything like I that. I don't know if you would want to. No, you really wouldn't want to. I mean, it's it's pretty small. I mean, it's, it looks like a load of fun. I mean, the, the, the original Mazda suitcase car, the one from Japan, was supposed to be presented to Mazda USA, and because of that, they painted it red, white, and blue, uh, this paint scheme, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a lot of photos of this being used, the early one, I guess, you know, yeah. in, in like, you know, small areas. Like, uh, the engineers are riding on it with their, their ties tucked into the shirts, and, you know, they've got the, uh, the white shirts with the short sleeves, you know, that kind of, uh, exactly who you would expect to be on this thing, you know, testing right. it out, right? Yeah. The guys that designed it. And, they said that the biggest problem with this whole thing with the suitcase car is that it's way too much fun because not long after it was created, um, there was a, uh, a terrible accident in this thing. Not, not anybody was really hurt as far as I know, but the car itself was destroyed. The suitcase car was destroyed. Yeah, there was a lot of damage, and that's why you have to be very careful if you're checking out the story of the car. You will see what looks like it could be two different iterations of the same thing but no don't be fooled it's the same vehicle rebuilt and with the uh color palette changed now they say it's rebodied which i find funny which means it's got a new suitcase yeah and yeah. so the, the original <laughs> suitcase was a red color i mean you could see it's mostly red i know it's red white and blue but it's mostly right, red yeah and the new one the rebodied one i think that was done in 1994 yes and uh that one is almost entirely blue i believe it has a black case you know so the underside which you know the, the yeah, case becomes the case the, is black the case becomes the undercarriage of the vehicle um the case is black but the 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 stuff that's inside the case mm-hmm. the uh, the parts that we just mentioned the mm-hmm. steering column the seat all that the engine yeah. that's all this uh, like a light blue color right and uh it was rebuilt you'll be happy to hear by a group named road race engineering out in california there in the states uh they maintain the vehicle to this day you can check it out yeah they build race cars and uh and that's so this is something that they kind of uh hang on to i guess or at least they did at the time because the article i'm looking at is kind of old so I don't know, maybe it's traded hands by now. If you're interested in seeing the suitcase car, before we get on to some of these other vehicles that I want to yeah. talk about. So this thing has made a lot of television appearances, uh, you know, over the years. And you can see, you know, demos of this thing in action, I guess, on, on shows like, um, I think it was on Beyond 2000. Uh-huh. It was on the Discovery Channel, Inside Edition, the Oprah Winfrey Show. It was on Telemundo. It was on Popular Science Magazine. Uh, also, um, Ripley's Believe It or Not, I think, yeah. did, a, did a, a little bit on it. Also, it was on an episode of Junkyard Wars, which was on the Discovery Channel a long time ago. Do you remember Junkyard Wars? Oh, yeah. That, that was a cool show. I really enjoyed watching that. It was uh, making something out of nothing, really. And, and, you know, a lot of those parts and pieces were planted there, I'm sure. I mean, I know that they gave them what they needed to build the, the I was going to ask about yeah, what for, you thought. Yeah, for sure it was. I mean, there's no way they're going to find some of that stuff they did in a, just a, a random junkyard. But Still, but they built some cool stuff. What a cool show that was. I really enjoyed that. So, um... If you want to, you can see it there. There's also a more recent, and in fact, this is the most recent um, thing that I've seen this this vehicle on. And what's really neat about this one is that you can see uh, the car in action. You can see the guy who's, who's kind of reviewing it 
um, driving it on city streets even, which I thought was kind of neat. Um, it's called the Ohana Road Television Show. Ohana Road is the name of the show, and it's from Hawaii. It's a it's a show that you know reviews automobiles in Hawaii. And uh, for whatever reason, they did a small segment in 2008 on the Mazda suitcase car, and it's pretty funny to watch. I mean, they show him you know unfolding the vehicle and assembling it. And uh-huh. by the way, that happens in something like 15. It's like, yeah, it's like 15 or 20 seconds. It's really really fast. And you know, at the end of his drive or you know whatever he's doing. Um, he picks up the car, you know, he folds, he folds it up into the suitcase form and carries it with one hand up into his apartment or condo or whatever it was. And, uh, it just shows you how, how portable this thing is. And, and you could, you could really carry this thing around with you. It's we, that easy. We should point out that, uh, it does weigh an estimated 70 pounds. Okay. 70 pounds. That's, that seems like it's pretty heavy to carry, right? I mean, that's a heavy suitcase to carry around, really. Sure. But when I think about it, like I've got a go-kart at home, you know, the one that we've, we've talked about it a few times. I've had it for like 30 years now or 25 years at this point. Yeah. Um, that thing is heavy. Still in pretty good shape, it's right? It's in decent shape. Yeah, it's in decent shape. But, um, yeah, it's, it's very, very heavy. And I, there's no way that, you know, it, it's even close to 70 pounds. It's, it's far greater than that. It's probably at least double that. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think they did a pretty good job of paring everything down and making it fit into that suitcase and, and making it lightweight enough that you could, you really could carry it around with you. And this, as we said, is far from the only folding vehicle in the game. So one thing that you and I really wanted to do was to check out some of the other folding vehicles out there. And, man, we found a lot of stuff. Well, the first thing that came to my mind was folding bikes. And it seems like for a long time these were really, really popular. And I'm not sure if they're as popular now as they were then or if I'm just not hearing about them. Mm-hmm. I wanted one so badly. They were really small. I'm talking about the kind that had tiny, tiny little wheels, you know, like uh, eight, nine, ten-inch wheels. Yeah. Very, very small. Very small wheels. Um, it looked like a clown bike when you got on it or something. I mean, yeah. it was so, so unusual. It was very, very small. The, the You know, the frame and the wheels were so small. And then there would be a long stem for the, for the seat mm-hmm. and also for the handlebars. And it just had this really weird appearance. But... I was always so intrigued by them. I always wanted one so badly that, uh, that you know, they were very expensive at the time, too. And I, I I would think that they probably still are. But they were great for use on, you know, like like you mentioned, like a boat or a plane or train or something like that. Sure. Because um, I think at the time you probably could carry one on a plane. Now, those are folding motorbikes or folding, uh, just folding pedal bikes. I'm just talking about pedal bikes. Okay. Um, now, there's also folding motorbikes, like scooters, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there, are fol- there are a couple of folding motorbikes. We found one uh, with an American company named de Blasi. That's been making folding bikes for a while. Uh, their folding bike weighs about 64 pounds. You can fit it into a bag, uh, measuring about less than five cubic feet. So that's kind of, and that means you can put it in the trunk of any standard car, oh, okay. usually. So, so maybe it's not all that comfortable to really carry around with you all the time. Right. But yeah. you can easily put it in your vehicle. But it's still lighter than the suitcase car. That is quite a bit lighter. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so, wait, you've had a folding bike before, have you? No, I've ridden a folding bike. Oh, I thought you owned a folding no, bike. No, no, I wish. I wanted it. Really? It wasn't the best ride. A fold, it was a folding pedal bike. And it was one that kind of folded in, you know, a trifold. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, if you guys listening remember those, uh, science fair experiments when everybody had to get that kind of trifolded, 
um, the cardboard, the cardboard. Yeah. Yeah. It, it folded sort of along hinges like that. Mm-hmm. So it was more of a, um, more of a convenience for storage, I think, than something to carry around. I wasn't the biggest fan of the way it rode, but I love the novelty. Did it, did it feel solid or did it feel loose? If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. You know, man, it felt it felt awkward more than anything just because, like you say, the stem goes up way... For the seat? Yeah, the stem for the seat goes up higher and the, the actual... Uh, undercarriage parts of the bike where the frame would be down by your ankles, right? Right. Rather than, you know, it'd be closer to like your knees yeah. for some other stuff. And, uh, it just wasn't, it wasn't my favorite, but I do love the novelty. As you said, the wheels are pretty small too. Yeah. You know, one thing that I need to say, I've looked at a couple of videos of, uh, of, of modern folding bikes because I'm thinking of the ones that were around back in the 1980s and 1990s. Oh yeah, you know, I'm an 80s baby. So, uh, when I'm, I'm not talking about those newfangled highfalutin folding bikes. Yeah, there's some crazy designs out there now. I think there's something called the A-frame bike or something similar to that anyways. But, you know, they look really odd, but I'll tell you, I've watched videos of people showing how easy they are to fold and, you know, reassemble. I don't know if reassemble is the right way, but assemble and then, and then, Fold them back down. Yeah. And, and then, you know, of course, one part of it is where they assemble it and then they, they ride off on it. And with these, even with these tiny little wheels, I don't know if it's the gearing or what, but even with the tiny little wheels, they're not pedaling as fast or as hard as you would think they would have to in order to make that thing move. Cause it seems to me 
like you'd just be pedaling like crazy to get that thing to go anywhere. Right. It would be very right. inefficient, but you don't really have to, you know, like overdo it, I guess, with the pedaling. You don't have to just pedal like you're in first gear going up the hill. Overcompensate, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you don't have to do that with them. And, and there are some really, really interesting designs. There's also, um, you know, in addition, in addition to bikes and scooters, you know, like motorized scooters, you know, we said full-size uh, bicycles and stuff like that. There's also folding boats. I mean, you can look up a, a company called Portaboat. It's, uh-huh. it's P-O-R-T-A and then B-O-T-E is how it's spelled. And if you do that, you'll see some good examples of some modern folding boats. And I know there's a lot of older uh, kayak designs out there where you assemble the framework and then you put kind of a, um, um, well, it's a, it's a waterproof um, skin over top of that that uh, that that framework that you've just oh yeah 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 the uh, wooden framework or whatever mm-hmm. and there's, that's been around for a long long time uh, but there are a lot of modern versions of that now too and in fact some that fold completely up I mean a kayak that I saw a kayak that would fold up into um, almost like a messenger bag that you would wear over your shoulder it was a big messenger bag but it was like right. um, and I wish I had the name of it I don't have it I I said I was going to get it and I didn't get it Ben but um, <laughs> anyways it's out there it's like a twelve foot kayak. Weighs something like 27 pounds and it's made of, uh, that same material that, um, you know, the, uh, the U.S. mail carriers use for those, those, those white boxes that you see in offices. Yeah, that really heavy duty plastic. Yeah, kind yeah. Kind of corrugated like, plastic. Exactly right. The corrugated plastic that they use in those. And that's what it's made of. It's very, very sturdy. Um, it's, it's really quite something to see them unfold this thing and then fold it back up again and carry it away. I think I might have this handy in my notes here. Are you talking about? Fullbot folding kayaks? Mm, no. That, no, that might not be it. Feathercraft? Nope, that's not it. Oh, so, boy. You know what? That just goes to show you there's a bunch of them out there. There's even more. So, um, and when I said port-a-boat, um, if you want to go there and look at some other types of boats, they have uh, rescue boats, they have uh-huh. car top carrier boats, and they have, um, uh, I guess, you know, boats that could be used for dinghies for larger craft. You know, if you're on a, a bigger boat and you want to carry a smaller boat, um, I think they said even, you know, you could use it on a seaplane and you could strap it to the side. And this is what's so neat about these porta boats is that when they do fold down, you can fold, you know, like a, uh, a a decent size boat, you know, like a fishing size vessel down to I think it's about four inches when it's folded completely flat. So the idea wow. is that you strap it to the side of your of your um, RV or the side of your seaplane or on the roof rack of your car, and and you carry it like that. It's incredible. It really is. It's it's so neat to see what they've they've done with it, and they're very very sturdy. Um, I, I wouldn't trust them. I don't think in you know in heavy seas or anything like that. But I don't think that's what they're intended for. No. Well, let's let's talk a little bit more about uh, folding cars. Yeah, because this is something that we talked about. But I think there's one quick thing that I'd like to mention first. What's that? Is that every flying car that we've talked about? Now you know my stance on flying cars, right? I do, buddy. Uh, <laughs> so I think that every flying car that we've looked at so far is actually a folding plane. You know, that's a really great point because they're not fixed wing predominantly. No, they can't be because they have to be able to fit into a standard lane of traffic. And really, most flying cars are not great cars. No, they're, they're like, they're substandard or subpar planes and they're <laughs> subpar cars and they, they tried to put two things together that really don't go together you know what we can talk about this all day i've, I've got some very i got some very strong opinions about about flying cars but there uh scott feels a way about flying cars that i feel about the honda odyssey <laughs> yeah similar very similar maybe even stronger i don't know but seriously all these uh all these flying cars that we've seen so far if you think about it the wings articulate in some way in order to allow them to fit into a standard lane of traffic or into a garage and the same with the tail section. A lot of times the tail section will have to fold up in order for that to happen. So 
Yeah, there's a there's a compromise or there's a compromised area there, an area where you know there's a pivot point, something mm-hmm. that's a, that's a weakness, I guess. And I don't really like that. I don't like the idea that you know the uh, the wings are held on with hinges. Yeah, that that reminds me of something that we had talked about in the past before. Maybe you remember those old Boys Life magazines? Yes, I do. Yeah, I read those a lot as a as a scout as a kid. And one thing that weirded me out even then was the idea of building your own helicopter. Mm-hmm. You know That's what right. I mean? I absolutely do. I love those ads. However, no way am I building my own helicopter. Or actually, I would like to build it. I wouldn't like to fly. Yeah, I think we've we've talked about this in a few episodes and made us sound like uh, unethical people where he said, I'd love to build a helicopter and then have someone else fly it the first time. Well, the thing is, I mean, okay, I understand, you know, that if you put, you know, the work into it and you do it correctly, that the design is going to work, right? Yeah. But I just, there's something about it. I mean, I've had some family members that have had a really horrific accident in um, an ultralight. And I think that, you know, the idea is with some of these, these homemade aircraft that, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to fly in them any higher than you're willing to fall from. Right. Um, and that's, that's kind of the, the rule of thumb with these things, really. And I, I don't know, I've seen, I've seen some homemade helicopters. Yeah, are, you have a story about this. I, I do, I do. Yeah. And it's, it's pretty recent. It's within, I'd say five weeks, Ben, like wow. maybe four or five weeks ago. Actually, the story begins about six or seven weeks ago. So I'll just tell you that. Um, as I was driving away from my home, I was going north up into uh, a town called Alpharetta, and I noticed a uh, something flying overhead. It was a helicopter, and the closer I got to it and the more I saw it, I realized that I could easily see this was a homemade helicopter. I mean, it, it was not a uh, like a professionally made or you know manufactured helicopter. What, just uh, nuts and bolts uh, I, I don't know falling to, from the sky? I'm not sure how to describe <laughs> that I know that it's a homemade helicopter, but I, you just know when you see one. You just under, you just can see that it is, right? Okay, yeah, um, pretty you know, probably pretty minimal frame. Uh, yeah, in fact, a lot of exposed frame, um, just a, an unusual shape. Um, I don't know if it's old or if it's brand new or what, but uh, you could easily or you could readily tell that this is a homemade aircraft or helicopter. And it was flying pretty low, you know, overhead over the, the, uh, you know, the treetops and over businesses and things. And I was, I, I realized that while I was sitting at the light, I was, I was thinking, God, I hope this guy does not fly over top of my car. I don't want him coming down on top of my car. And I was really thinking that. I was thinking, I don't want to be anywhere near this guy. And he's kind of like just swooping all over the place, right? Uh huh. So that's one experience, right? That's like six or seven weeks ago. About five weeks ago, I was on my way to, um, the Home Depot. You know, the, the local Home Depot. And I'm in at this busy intersection, really busy intersection, mm-hmm. and lots of traffic. It's on a Saturday or a Sunday. I don't remember which. Traffic was, you know, pretty intense. And this guy is flying over, the same guy, the same helicopter. He is flying over the intersection. You so said he's just circling, right? He's circling over the intersection. This sounds so bad. I don't know how he didn't, I, I guess there's no one there to really give him a ticket. Who Who could? So he's flying over the intersection, and I would guess, if I had to guess, like 100 feet over the intersection, which is extremely low. I mean, it seems yeah. like it seems like he's right on top of us. So he's like just above the trees, mm-hmm. but he's doing like tight banking type circles over the intersection, over all you know all the traffic going different directions. And I'm thinking this is the worst idea this guy's ever had to do this, <laughs> and it was making me nervous. I don't know if anybody else was nervous about this. I think it would have to be. I mean, it was definitely everybody was you know craning their head to look out the window, you know. Through the top of the glass. Yeah, or who is this jabroni? Yeah, it was it was unbelievable, and that's I mean that was about four or five weeks ago. I haven't seen him since. I don't know what happened, but um, hopefully he's still around. So what? Um, 
could you see his age maybe? Could you guess? Like, was it a grown person? Was it a younger guy? I couldn't see that clearly. I mean, the, the front glass is, um, you know, it's uh, like a dome almost. You know, it's difficult to see through that. And there's glare and all that. So but, if he's smart, he's wearing a disguise. If, but I'll tell you, he was close enough that you almost could get a description of the guy. I mean, he was it was so low and so fast and so close and it was so loud. You know, it's really loud. Um, it's just one of those unnerving things that happens. And I, I'm like you, Ben. I, I think it's a, it's a neat idea to maybe, you know, think about. Mm-hmm. I wish I had a helicopter. I could just get straight home and straight back to work or whatever. Um, it would just be so simple, but I would totally do that. But the reality is that they're pretty dangerous. I think when you build them yourself, I, I, I think that's the reality. I think all you have to do to legally fly a helicopter in Atlanta is call someone and tell them about traffic. That's it. Huh? I'm kidding, you guys. <laughs> Somebody make sure the FAA well, I, doesn't hear my bad Okay, joke. so we've we've gone way way off. We've track gone way here. off I'm, topic, but let's go ahead and get back on topic by talking about the Icon A5. This is a foldable plane. Icon A5, mm-hmm. foldable plane. Okay, so what folds on the Icon A5? The wings fold. It has uh, it has uh, folding wings so that you can keep it in a garage, a home garage, or keep it in a trailer uh, so that you can haul it easily on the road. So okay. similar to what we were talking about with quote-unquote flying cars, they have to be able to fit in lanes of reasonable traffic. So uh, this is a light sport airplane, okay? And uh, the licensing to fly it is a little bit different because it's a light sport airplane. Mm, okay. So you have to log uh, fewer pilot hours, which some people are really happy about and other people are not. Um, just the federal regulations have changed uh the the vehicle itself i guess you would say is more for just for fun purposes according to kirk hawkins the ceo of this icon company the product has to be uh perform well it has to look like it performs well but the passionate consumer is not using these to get to grandmother's house quicker uh, they want it to be a luxury motorsport of the 21st century. Oh, boy. So that you could, you know, haul your Icon A5 across the region, right? Maybe go to, well, just make some place up like the Atlanta, uh, light craft runway or something and then do, uh, some time challenges or maybe some obstacles. So you're, you're hauling it on a trailer then? You're not really driving it on the road. Is that what you're saying? Or you're yeah, you haul it on a trailer. It's oh, okay. just an airplane. Okay, it's not yeah. a, it's not a flying car. So this so. is just a, just a folding vehicle. Just, just a folding, folding car. Just, not, not really a yeah. folding car. Right. Okay. And, and, uh, there are, uh, there's possibilities for amphibious landing too. That's pretty neat. That is pretty neat. And the ones that are amphibious will be able to connect to docks or piers. But now that we are back on topic with folding vehicles, uh, let's, without further ado, get to those cars, man, cause yeah. there's one I really like and there's one I really dislike. Well, really? Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, maybe I don't know which one to start with then. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. 
and paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already yeah. see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, let's start with that weird-looking one from South Korea. This is my least favorite of the two. Least favorite of the two. And you know what? I have to agree with you. I think there's a, a more interesting one coming up here at the end. Um, now, this, <laughs> the headline on this says, new, uh, Crazy New Electric Car Folds Itself in Half to Park. Pretty interesting headline, right? Yes, I it mean, is, and it and it really does do this. I mean, I'm it's looking true. at the I'm looking at the photo of it, and and I'll describe how all this happens in just a minute. But to me, this car looks almost like a fish swallowing a smaller fish. Yeah, and to me, it looks kind of like uh, when it's in the folded, uh, when a folded form, it looks sort of like uh, one of those uh, mollusk or a creature that dwells in a shell. Yeah, it does sort of coming like out of its shell. It really does look like that. It's a strange looking vehicle when it's folded up, and it's also strange when it's unfolded. As That's well. the only reason I don't like it, to uh, be um, honest. Yeah, really? It's just stylistically. I, yeah, I think so. The other it's one is efficient. Has, uh, it's smart. It's well designed. It's just not for me. Now, this one, the one that we're talking about, is called um, the Armadillo T. And the armadillo T is inspired, just as you might guess, by the armadillo itself, you know, the armadillo animal, uh-huh. uh, because, you know, they can fold themselves up into it in like a tiny little ball shape almost, almost a perfect ball shape. And that's kind of what this thing does. Um, so the, the idea is that it's um, a car that you could drive as kind of like a city car, right? Because it's not right. really a, uh, a highway car. It's a car that is intended to be used in a crowded urban area. Not for long trips. No, I think the top speed on this is something like 37 miles per hour. It's it's an electric car. It's all electric. It seats two adults. Um, it has cameras. It doesn't have any side mirrors, you know, so there's no blind spots on this thing. It weighs about 992 pounds. At least that's the prototype. It has a lithium-ion battery pack. It has four in-wheel motors, which will be important in just a second, which I'll tell you about. Mm-hmm. And here's this is kind of a cool thing, Ben. It takes 10 minutes to charge, and it has a 62-mile range, which is really good. 
Yeah. That's not bad at all. It's not bad at all. I mean, this, the specs are pretty good. But the biggest, the biggest deal about this, the biggest uh, feature on this whole thing is, as we mentioned, that it folds in half to park itself. Now, th- this is strange, Ben. It folds almost completely in half because I think when, when it's unfolded, the car's length is about 110 inches in length. Okay. So when it folds up, it's about 65 inches in length. Mm-hmm. So it's considerably shortening the, uh, shortening the, the, the amount of space that this thing takes to park. And <laughs> this is so cool. You have to watch it to see how it happens because the driver drives up in it and it's kind of like a, um, it's almost like a golf cart looking like vehicle. You know? Yeah. Is that, yeah. Is that maybe the best way to describe that's it? That's fair. Yeah. I guess it's, uh, that's the best way to describe it. Um, it, it, the way it really does this is the driver gets out of the vehicle. You know, they, they step away. Yeah, it doesn't fold with the driver. In no, it. They, they step away, and then and you can watch a video of this happening. And then the driver, you know, activates the uh, the system to allow it to, to fold up. Well, when it does this, a, a set of um, casters comes down to the middle midpoint, and then the back wheels pivot up. It's like the, the back half of the car encapsulates the front half of the car. Uh, so it's almost like a... Um, like, like you said, like a, like a, a shell, a shell enclosing the, the front half of the vehicle, covering the windshield, covering the, the driver door, um, all that stuff. And it's still stable on those casters, but yeah. it can't drive on them. No, exactly right. And the rear wheels are completely up in the air at that point. I mean, the, mm-hmm. the car is literally folded in half. It's a strange thing to watch happen, but one of the coolest things about this one, this is a, this is a neat feature. I'll tell you the driver only has to get near a parking space in order to park this thing. So, you know, the, the ah, idea yes. is that, you know, it's saving space in these crowded environments, right? Well, the driver just gets near a parking space and they step out, they make it fold itself or whatever. And then the driver, and I don't know how they do this, you know, after it articulates and folds in, in its, mm-hmm. in its own space there, the owner then remotely steers the, the folded car into the parking spot, which I think is really cool. Right, which means, of course, that those front wheels are providing the motion. The casters will just roll a little yeah, bit. Yeah, and those and those in wheel motors that we mentioned, those are yeah. what those are what's providing the drive source mm-hmm. for that. So the front wheel, so this is four wheel drive, really. Um, with these independently controlled wheels, it's allowed to steer itself into a parking spot that you know the the owner does so. Uh, you know, via uh, I don't know, I guess it would be a smartphone, maybe probably that does this yeah an app i imagine yeah something like that but if you would like to see it happen i mean look it up it's called the armadillo t and uh it's an interesting design but it's not our favorite design no our favorite design is way cooler a- at least in my opinion yeah my opinion too uh and that is the hiriko uh don't be fooled uh this is from basque country in spain not from uh japan uh, it was part of the City Car Project developed by MIT. Yeah, right? MIT, the uh, MIT Media Lab, I think, helped put this one together. So yeah. um, this was it made headlines back in 2012. And the reason it made headlines was because they were actually going to produce this thing around 2013, maybe into 2014. And I'll tell you what happened with that in just a minute, because obviously something happened or else we'd be talking about it in production right now. Right. It's an electric car, two seater, um, or micro car, excuse me. And just like, uh, just like the earlier car we're talking about from South Korea, this vehicle is only intended for short distance urban trips or for car sharing. I think it has about a 75 mile range and the top speed, it, it doesn't really say the top speed on, in this article that I'm looking at here, but it does say, 
city speed. Okay, I found that it has an electronically controlled, so it has a governor on it, with a maximum speed that that is around 31 miles per hour. Oh, okay. So That, that so, sounds like city speed. So 31 is city speed. <laughs> I okay, guess now it. we know. Well, we know it's not highway speed, right? Right. So, so you can't really take this car out of the city, and you probably wouldn't want to anyways because the size of this thing, this is so small, Ben. It's, yeah. It's about half the size. I mean, I'm talking length. About half the length of a Toyota Prius and almost one third the size of a Ford Explorer. So imagine that size vehicle. And that's before it's folded up. Yeah. It only weighs around 1100 pounds. Yep. And it's very, very small. So, so when it's folded, I think uh, again, this is another one that, you know, it starts out right around 100 inches. So it's right. smaller to begin with than the uh, Armadillo T was. It's 100 inches long when it's, you know, in driving form, I guess. And then when you fold it up, when this thing folds, and it folds in a different way, we'll tell you in just a minute, um, it reduces down to 60 inches in length. So very, very small. Which is crazy. And, uh, well, we'll talk about how it folds in a well, second. Well, I mean, when it folds, I mean, just to give you an example, I mean, I think they, they compare it to a, uh, a smart car. Um, you know, when, when it's folded, and I don't say that it's folding up to that size, I'm saying it's folding to like half of that size. Now, yeah. it, it goes a little bit higher because of the way it folds, you know, the roof line, uh, extends up. Right, yeah. So can we talk about that part? Sure, how it folds. Yeah, all right. So this is kind of a visual exercise that you can do where you're listening. Of course, if you're not driving, don't do this while you're driving. Uh, take your hands and sort of lay them flat with your fingertips or some of your fingertips touching. And then when you fold, all you have to do is lift your hands so that your fingertips still touch so that your hands are in kind of a steeple position. Yeah. And then pay attention to where, you know, the, like the, uh, the butt of your hand, the, uh, the palm of your hand is. Right. And notice how that they're coming together. That would be like what the wheels are doing on mm-hmm. this thing. So the wheel base on this vehicle is becoming shorter as it folds. And in the middle, you know, the, uh, the, the passenger compartment is, is rising up. Almost vertical. Almost vertical to the point where, and this is so interesting about this vehicle, because <laughs> you can watch a video of this thing in action with somebody actually driving it, because the, the, the one that I'm looking at here is pretty darn close to production version. I mean, it's not very rough at all. I mean, it looks like it could be in production right now. So when you watch what happens when it folds, because it, it folds with the driver in position. They, they, right. It folds as somebody is in the car. Um, you're, you're normally in a, uh, in a driving position, you're kind of almost laying down. It's, it's a, uh, a reclined driving position or mm. standard, I guess, but it seems like a little more reclined than usual. Yeah. Yeah. And when it folds up, uh, you almost end up in a standing position. So you're standing with the windshield right in front of you. It's, it's a really bizarre thing to watch, but it's, it's so cool to look at too. And then the front, you know, the, the front windshield, which is really, um, almost like a dome that goes over the driver when they're right. seated. Yeah, that's the door. Right, and that pops open almost like a uh, like a hatchback would. Yeah, um, yeah. So that that it folds out from the bottom, and you know it, it remains open so that the driver can kind of step out because they have to take one or two steps to to then you know step out onto the curb, and that's the whole idea is that you do step out onto the curb because this thing it folds up so small that you're able to park it. Um, I guess it would be. Um, how high would you say this? Facing out toward the street. You can back it in. You can back it in or you can, you can drive it straight in. Oh, so yeah. You can, you can walk out onto the curb or you can walk out onto the street. Yeah. Um, and therefore you're not parallel parking like you would in a standard vehicle. Yeah. Um, it, it's the opposite. Like you're parking in the opposite direction. You pull it in straight to the curb. Right. And you can fit as many as three of these vehicles, these Harico cars. In the space of one. 
standard. One, one standard sedan. That's right. So no, here's, very, very small. Yeah, here's one thing, though. With both of these, of course, they have the disadvantages that we see common to all sorts of cars built with this aim. First disadvantage, storage space or lack thereof. Second disadvantage, engine power and performance. Third disadvantage, uh, well, for some people, this would be an advantage. You can't really take more than one passenger. That's true. And some people love that. You know what you can do in this thing? Ben, What's though? that? Which is so awesome. I love, I love looking at this. When, when it's folded up like that, when you're ready to park this thing, yeah. it folds up. So again, you're in this really upright position. All of these, it has in-wheel motors and they all can pivot individually. Oh, that's right. And yeah. it allows you to, uh, allows you to just spin in place. It's like it's spinning on its axis. It's amazing. It's really, really cool. So you can get it into any spot you want very easily. And uh, you could just do complete circles if you wanted to. It's it's really cool to watch. All right, so I guess we should talk about what happened too, because uh, that's kind of the wrap up of this whole thing. If it was in production, uh, we'd be you know touting how great it is that it's in production and being used yeah. in, in Spain somewhere, right? Yeah, we'd be driving around in one. Well, production was planned for the second quarter of 2013, with retail deliveries supposed to start sometime around uh, 2014. I think early 2014, and it had a starting price, which is not bad, uh, right around. Uh, 12,500 euros, which is about, um, 16,400 US dollars. It's a bargain. So it really was a bargain. And well, I guess plus battery leasing fees, whatever that would have been. But oh, that's how they get you. Yeah, who knows? But in May, (laughs) but in May of 2013, you know, when, uh, the retail deliveries were supposed to start, right? I think, or maybe just prior to that, uh, the something called the Rico Consortium announced that the project is having difficulties, um, or too many difficulties to continue with, uh, with, production and they had to uh to stop it right there in the development phase because they had lack of financing so yes. as usual financing got in the way um but i'll tell you the the video that we saw the you know the the um the the model that they launched i guess in spain remember because they had this this big launch event in uh i think it was unveiled at the european commission uh mm. back in 2012 and i don't know it looked like it was production ready at that point i mean it was a very very refined model it wasn't in rough condition at all it looked like it was ready to go so I'm I'm kind of wishing that I had seen this one on the road. So uh, there may be hope yet because the Basque government, which helped pay for the R&D, said that commercial development has to come from the private sector, but they are willing to participate uh, backing with some venture capital funds uh, once the company gets official industrial approval to go into production. Well, tell you what, let's, let's have our listeners kind of make a uh, make a call on this. Because um, I think I think I've pretty much exhausted what I have to say. Have you? Or uh, I, I just want to point end? out. I just want to point out also that uh, there might be a couple of other models that they would like to build too, including a light truck. Oh, so I did cut you off too soon because no, that's that, it, that's because that is interesting. Yeah. If I uh, if if I had known the truck was coming, oh my gosh, I would have uh, I would have brought out the checkbook and helped them along, right? <laughs> All right, but <laughs> they we could, they could yeah. use it. I mean, seriously, because um, what I saw it looked really cool. I mean, we we um. It's got potential. Yeah, I think out of the two that we saw, you know, out of those two, out of the Armadillo T and out of the Hiriko, mm-hmm. if I'm saying that right. We're probably saying it I think way it's her too echo. Japanese. It's like her echo or something like that. <laughs> I think it's her echo. Um, out of those two, the, the her echo is my favorite. And I know it's your favorite as, as well. well. But I'd like our listeners to maybe check out both of those designs, the Armadillo T and the her echo, and see what you think and, and tell us what your favorite is. And you can tell us on Facebook, you can tell us on Twitter, you can check out every episode that Scott and I have ever done on carstuffshow.com. But 
if you want to let us know without social media or if you have a topic you want to suggest to us, go ahead and send us a line directly. We are Car Stuff at HowStuffWorks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at HowStuffWorks.com. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. You've probably heard a lot about electrified vehicles lately. Well, Toyota has electrified options for every lifestyle. We've got hybrids, no plug needed. But we also have plug-in hybrids, if that's your thing. (laughs) You can even go 100% electric in the Toyota BZ4X. With so many options for reducing carbon emissions, Toyota is electrified, diversified. Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.